Rand Paul under fire for his transphobic questioning. But does he have a point? Let's talk about it, y'all. Middle America. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Middle America, where we talk about everything from abortion to LGBT issues to racial issues to Trump to Biden, all from the perspective of a regular American looking at things as objectively as possible. Now, I do not believe in neutrality. I think neutrality is a myth, uh, but I can be converted, and so can everybody else. Uh, we're a free speech environment, so listen. Uh, unless somebody's threatening to kill somebody or something like that in the comment section or on the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash America Middle, um, we're going to let it fly. This, however, is a particularly sensitive situation, and I'm going to be monitoring the uh, the comment section like a hawk. Um, so just please keep that in mind. Now, um, we've got some really cool stuff coming down the pike um, for our patrons. We've got uh, text messaging. We've got... Uh, doing a show with your boy. Uh, we've got selecting topics and all that jazz uh, starting as, as low as $1. So um, it's really, really cool stuff that are coming down the pike. Having said that, speaking of uh, people suggesting videos, this was sent to me by a good friend of mine in the channel. His name's DJ. And it's about apparently Rand Paul is interviewing or interrogating a Miss Levine in regard to trans issues he wanted me to cover it so uh here we go uh so we'll start and then that'll be that here we go <clears throat> genital mutilation has been Holy nearly universally shit, condemned genital mutilation has been okay so <laughs> right off the bat he's talking about genital mutilation which is i'm assuming he's going to make a a correlation between that and and uh the trans community wow uh, okay. ...by the WHO, the United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations Population Fund. According to the WHO, genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because, as the WHO notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. Yeah, but, I mean, these are not, like, voluntary minors. These are not minors who are requesting it or consenting to it. This is some horrible sheikh in Africa who's who's uh, forcing this on a, you know, a six-year-old who, by the way, Muhammad never suggested to do that. That's purely a cultural, regional thing. That's not an Islam thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously the glaring hole there is the fact that, you know, this one is being forced on a kid and the other is a kid saying I was born in the wrong body and I'll kill myself if I, you know, whatever. So I'm not I'm not sure that um, we want to go there with it, but whatever. Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force, but as WHO notes that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform to do what others do and have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American. Uh, okay, well, uh, you got to give it to them because if you're a good debater, you're gonna, you're gonna, uh, you're kind of prescient in regards to what the argument's gonna be. So <laughs> he saw that argument and he addressed it. Hats off to him. Uh, if the WHO is saying that, then you know, okay. So that's a point for Mr. Rand. Culture 
is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Okay, so 80 to 90% of these kids reconcile their gender dysphoria by the time they, um, you know, come to adulthood, come of age, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's a pretty compelling argument. Look, I don't understand how this is even an, an issue, to be honest with you, about kids. Like, we don't let kids uh, willy-nilly have sex before they're, you know, of age. You would, you know, we wouldn't say, like, how how is it that a kid at six or seven, we say you don't have the mental capacity to engage in a sexual relationship with an adult. But on the other hand, we're saying, but you do have the capacity to do this permanent, life-altering... I mean, look, uh, definitely, like, I'm I'm completely against a six-year-old with anybody any, in any sexual context, where it's a six-year-old and a six-year-old and a six-year-old and a 30-year-old. The thing is, I've met people who had sex as kids, and uh, for the most part, it was traumatic, but they were able to pick up and move on. But what we're talking about here is permanent surgery? That kids should be able to call that play? Huh? What? Like, think through the, the the logical ramifications of that. You know, people talk about, you know, slippery slopism. Um, but there are things that have ramifications. And almost all of our laws, when it gets to the Supreme Court level, uh, is based on previous case law. That's how it works. So, uh, like, I'm, like, I... I I mean, I don't know if a trans person would consider me an ally, but holy shit, a kid? <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. They can't go to war, they can't smoke cigarettes, they can't drink, but they can make these completely life-altering, and especially if that 80% number is right, holy shit. I don't know. I want, I want to hear what Levine has to say to that. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? No. Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah, medicine. The specific. Okay, so that's, that's a non-answer. Which is basically, this is the thing that I understand about politicians, left or right. If somebody asks you a question like that, that's that black and white, and you give a non-answer, it's because you're affirming uh, the bad position and you don't want a soundbite captured of you. But the fact that you're not answering the question directly is an answer, right? Like, I, I don't understand that whole technique.
And I think that's one of the reasons that Trump was so successful was because Trump never had any of those moments where he dodged. He just said, no, this is what I'm going to do. He's <laughs> after talking about killing back daddy. He basically said, no, I'm pretty much going to take all the oil from those, <laughs> from these Iraqis. Um, holy shit, man. Uh, that's, that's a problem. It was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override the parent's consent to give a child puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia? You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is a very insightful from decision from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary, superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. What I'm alarmed at... See, this is one of the things that really, uh, really bothers me about this conversation. And a lot of these conversations is that both sides always try to pretend like there's only one side here. So it's either you hate trans people completely and you want them all to die or you want a six-year-old to be able to transition. Like there's no like middle ground. And the other thing that pisses me off is that the... And this happens on both sides, but this just happens to be a left side issue. There's always a stifling of contrary voices or there's always the, the, the cancellation of bad word choice, but the cancellation of dissenting opinion from the same community. So uh, like a year ago, I had two, we had two women on who are radically pro-life. One of them's an atheist. One of them is not a very good Roman Catholic. And people were angry that I had the audacity to bring these two girls on and let them tell their stories that one of them was lied to by Planned Parenthood about the child that she was about to kill. Um, and so she was able to tell her story. And we've told a bunch of stories from a bunch of girls who've been shoved into clinics, sex trafficked, whole nine yards. And you could see the comments and people were saying, oh, it's because you didn't show the contrary side. I did an actual moderated debate on the topic. <laughs> where the other side literally was able to debate the topic. So please miss me with that nonsense about, oh, well, we were upset because, uh, you know, you, you it was imbalanced. No, people were upset because there's only one narrative about abortion that's acceptable to certain groups. And that is, uh, I want to have an abortion and these religious fanatics are, are, are forcing me not to. So when you get an atheist who says she was lied to by Planned Parenthood and regrets her abortion and wants it to be completely illegal. Now we don't want to hear what she has to say. So this girl, I, and I Googled while he was talking, she's actually suing the NHS. So the NHS is, I'm assuming, the uh, 
basically Medicare for all over there in, in National Health Service, I think, over there in uh, Great Britain. Um, and she's suing them because they allowed her to have these, you know, irreversible surgeries, apparently. Um, and now she regrets it and there's nothing she can do to stop it now because, I mean, what's done is done. That's got to be dealt with. And her voice has got to be recognized if we're going to really, truly have this conversation. The other thing that's that's bugging me or, or is terrifying is this idea that the government can come in and overrule the parents' decision with their children. That's absolute madness. And I'll tell you what, I'm not going to say it that way. That's just not an intelligent thing to do in a country that has more guns than human beings. You see what I'm saying to you? That's not a wise thing to do. Like, the government has limits. And this is one of the things where, once again, people on the left are fulfilling a stereotype that people on the right, in my opinion, are purposefully and wrongfully introducing into the conversation, which is that most people on the left are statists. And they want the state basically to be God and Christ and king over the country. And I, I think that is a complete mischaracterization and an unfair way of characterizing people. However, when you've got people, you know, this is kind of like in 2012 when that black lady said, like, uh, we have this idea that our kids belong to us. But in reality, the kids belong to the community. No. My kids belong to me. They don't belong to the state. They're not wards of the state. They don't have the state in their last name. They don't have the state's DNA. They're my kids. And I'll be damned if the state is going to try to override my parenting decisions, especially on an issue like this that has permanent ramifications. I don't care what side you're on. I'm certain that I can get agreement everywhere across the board. That is a step way too far. That's crazy. That's that's crazy is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate yeah. their genitalia. For most of our history, we believe that minors don't have full rights and the parents need to be involved. So I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Well, I wouldn't characterize it as minors not having full rights. I would just characterize it as a minor's ability to make the, the, the very reason that we have distinctions like baby and child, teenager and adult. The reason we make those distinctions is because there are characteristics that are native to those age brackets that make it so that you have to engage them differently. Uh, my, my two-year-old can now basically feed himself and he's a, he's basically potty trading himself right now. I've got a kid that was born in November. He could do none of it because the capabilities of a child cognitively and, and as far as their motor skills go, develop over time. So if it was up to my kids when they were six and seven, they'd have Count Chocula for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. It's my job as a parent to override that and say, no, you can't do that because I have more experience than you and I know what's going to happen to your mouth. When you do that, uh, if it was up to me as a kid, I'd have never went to school, which <laughs> that's probably a bad analogy. But 
But this is not really, to me, about a child's rights. This is about the fact that the reason we have... Look, man, you go to a Walmart and you see little little Timmy. And, I mean, let's just be real. It's always a white kid, right? You see little Timmy and he's throwing the frosted flakes on the ground and throwing all types of fits. Most of us don't go after little Timmy. We say, man, that that is a terrible freaking parent. We don't hold children responsible. That's the entire reason we have a juvenile hall. So let's just get rid of juvenile hall and put a, a 10, 11, 12-year-old offender, put him right there in a max security prison with a whole group of adults. Since we want to just flatten this and say kids can make these life-altering decisions, I mean, do you realize that some of these procedures are more permanent than a five-year jail sentence? Like, come on, guys. We're like, we're spitting out here as far as common sense goes. This is a very, very important issue that has got to be dealt with with nuance and it's got to be dealt with carefully because the fallout on the other side is a lot of these kids, when they are not affirmed and they, they when they don't have um, people in their life that love them and will, will, will stick by them or, or no matter what, there is a massive comorbidity of suicide, suicidal ideation, self-harm, et cetera, et cetera. That has got to be addressed as well, which of course... I'm assuming Mr. Mr. Brand Paul is not going to dress at all. And I think most Americans are in 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 somewhere in between Rand Paul and this lady. I think most Americans, and they're probably not going to say this publicly, and YouTube is going to demonetize this. I know that for a fact, but I don't care. The the most Americans, I think, are where I am, which is I don't want trans kids killing themselves. I also don't want trans kids, kids. Any kids, trans kids, black kids, white kids, I don't want any kids making permanent life-altering decisions either without the parent's consent or in contradistinction to the parent's consent. That is not the type of country we want to live in. Here's the thing. Right now, secularists are running our country. Think about this, my friends on the left. What happens in 20 years when uh, religious people, who, by the way, are going to outnumber you, you know how I know? Um, go check out the numbers as far as replenishment goes in America. Like, we're, 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 we're aborting and birth controlling ourselves into uh, complete non-existence. But you know who's having children? People like me who've got six working on seven. Okay? So, so what happens when people like me get to take over the government? And we've already got a precedent where the government can come in and do whatever with your child, whether or not you consent to it. Have you thought through the ramifications on that? You know, people on the left are so quick to talk about the separation between church and state. They don't recognize that secularism is a form or a philosophy that also has implications that get imposed on unwilling people. Here is an example. Holy shit. You're talking about Anyway, I want to see what she says. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Uh, and if confirmed to the position of assistant secretary. Ah, I don't know what just happened. I ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, transitioning was a very their breast or to amputate their genitalia on whether or not minors should and talk with you and your staff the position of assistant secretary not minors should be involved okay, in these decisions 
Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field, uh, and if confirmed to the position <laughs> of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff the about the standards the of care and the complexity of this field. Holy shit. Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER. But you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? You give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard, you think she's going to go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently changed them. Infertility is another problem. None of these yeah. drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine being used possibly for COVID Holy are not shit. alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. There's no long-term studies. We don't know what happens to them. We do know that there are dozens and dozens of people who have been through this who, who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them. And, you know, if you've ever been around children, 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the ages of 3 and 10. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a 3-year-old about changing their sex. Holy shit. I can't thank, vote for thank, you if you can't thank make Thank you a so much, Senator Paul. Senator Levine, thank you for uh, answering the question. I will turn to Senator Ball. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, no. Holy shit. Between three? Three years old? A fucking three-year-old is fucking deciding that shit at three? What the fuck? What did I think I was when I was a fucking a ninja turtle? I thought I was a ninja. I thought I was Donatello. Do you remember Donatello talking to my brother here? Wolverine. I was Wolverine. All that's right. He said that little thing. I'm like, ah, Wolverine. Three? See, th this is the thing that kills me. Like, I was saying to myself, like, I was trained to think about strategically, right? Like, how is it, like, you have to know that uh, she's trans. So she, she had to know that that was going to come up at some point. There's no better response she could have had than to say, well, it's a very complex issue. I'll go to your office when I get elected. Huh? Uh, th th this is an absolute hellscape. You're talking about three-year-old kids, and then they talked about infertility. That, listen, let me tell you something. There is nothing more tragic than being around a woman who has fertility issues. I was around Sori, this is before we even got married, and she, she was completely ruined for years due to infertility, and she already had a child. Uh, it is a very, very tragic thing. I mean, go go Google how many millions and billions of dollars are spent on infertility treatments. So let me get this straight. A three-year-old can make a decision like that that not only affects her aesthetically, but now when she hits 20 and 21 and that, that biological clock starts ticking and she's at that optimal place where she can bear children and she deeply desires to have children she can't because she called a play when she was three huh this to me is like the most extreme if somebody 
and people know like to send me videos of this stuff because I'm always like, where's your source for that? If somebody would said to me, would have would have re replayed this conversation to me and said this happened, I would have said, you're lying. You're a right wing freaking crazy person who's being dishonest and you're lying to, to you know, whatever. Um, guys, this is not good. Here's what we know. What we know is that whether or not people get get surgery to transition or whether or not people get, you know, hormone treatments or whatever. What we know is that there is a massive comorbidity of suicide and suicide ideation in that community pre and post operation. We know that. We also know that many trans kids, LGBT kids for sure, but trans kids in particular are marginalized and they are rejected even within the LGBT community. They are. I didn't know that until, you know, I uh, you know, became real close friends with a couple trans folks in our community. So th the thing that really pisses me off about this entire interaction, on top of the whole salacious, you know, whatever that, that Miss Levine did, which was a disaster. But there, there is no recognition on Rand Paul's side about, okay, if you're going to deny that to these kids and these kids are saying they're going to kill themselves, what do we do as a nation and as a government to ensure that these kids get the mental help and the mental health checkups that they need? And what policies and procedures can we have for schools and other things to make sure that these kids are not going to get cyber bullied into, uh, into jumping off of a bridge? Those are conversations that need to be had. But because Miss Levine is so crazy, I'm sorry, but if you co-sign that shit, you're out of your fucking mind. Three-year-old, come on now. You know, and I know that that's crazy. But look, man, I, I would much rather have a conversation about how we can support these kids and what we can do. Look, you turn 18, 19 in this country, you know, you can go to war, uh, can can you smoke weed at, at, at eighteen, or you gotta be twenty one? You can smoke weed, get a card. Uh, you can drive. Okay, fine. Eighteen years old, fine. But fourteen, eight, three. <laughs> That's absolute madness. That is an unloving thing to do with a child. And we need to have a better national conversation about how we can best support um, our friends and our family members. Um, and um, we, we have to learn the difference between unconditional love and, um, and unconditional hate. Because I think it's hateful to do that to a three-year-old. I think to leave a three-year-old or 10-year-old or 14-year-old to their own devices, that's why we have child neglect laws, right? That's why you have a child neglect law. You got a kid... And he's roaming the streets that, you know, he's nine years old. He's roaming the streets and the cops find your kid and he's truant, you know, he's truant from school and they knock on your door and you say, well, you know, I just wanted to respect their individuality. Well, you can, ex you can respect their individuality at your court summons date because you're going to court because your job as a parent is to parent your kids. They're not adults. They're kids. Holy shit. I'm, I'm, I'm out on that one. I'm out. And uh, look, like I said, um, prior, you know, you know I, I got to reach out to some of my trans friends. I don't know if I'm actually going to even publish this thing, considering the uh, 
what's going to happen in the comment section, but uh, this is absolute madness, and, and I think that um, we're only going to reap the whirlwind for this shit. But anyway, love your neighbor. Take care of each other. Middle America, we are the media. Till next time, guys.